What's up, guys? Before we get going today, just wanted to remind you, podcast brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Well, I'm glad you asked. They're the world's best gambling handicapping website. Skybox is the creator of the Skybox Matrix Interval, an advanced modeling mechanism that has helped propel Skybox to the top of the industry, along with years of wisdom and experience. Skybox just got done giving out a new promo, the Coca-Cola 600. I hope you all cashed in on that. So unfortunately, for those of you that are new, Skybox was giving away $1,000 cash if they picked the winner of the Coca-Cola 600 correctly. They did not get the winner of the race correct, but if you put $100 per unit on the full slate of picks, you cashed out at $900, which to me, pretty solid deal. You got the month's worth of picks. If they weren't profitable, you got refunded, and you cashed out $900 on that, week, on that day's picks alone. And you still have a month of the picks to go. So check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. There will be more promos in the future. I know Rob and the guys were torn up. They didn't get the race winner right, so they didn't get to give out the free 1000 bucks in cash, but there will be plenty more to come, and they made you money. So what are they really sorry about? Check them out, Skybox Sports Picks. They have a package for you. I'd recommend doing the year-long pass, but you can do month-centric, sports-centric packages, month-all sports packages. You can do that for a week. You can do seasonal passes. They got football season coming up. They're crushing it on NASCAR. They're up 23 units on the season as of like two weeks ago. So you need to check these guys out. They will have a package that fits your price range. I promise you that. And if you put in the promo code RIPPY, you'll get 20% off whatever package you purchase. So check them out. They've got weekly golf tournament picks. You can do golf seasonal picks, MLB packages at a month or a week, literally anything you want. They will fit it into your price range. So check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. Glad to have them on board the pod. Pod's also brought to you by LB's, University Avenue across from Kroger. Got a grill corner rolling this week with Greg. He's real fired up about the Belmont coming up. We'll get the grill corner, talk about some meats, maybe some steroids, some horses. You know the drill with that. But go check him out, LB's, University Avenue across from Kroger. If you are a subscriber to the Rippy Rides newsletter, which is free, by the way, and by my math, costs $0.00 dollars and zero cents. Uh, I have to double check that. You get discounts at LBs. Right now you're getting a 16-ounce prime strip for 10 bucks, and any second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth one you want to buy after that is 15 bucks plus $2 off any fish in the fridge. And that's just for being a subscriber to the Rippy Rights newsletter. Check him out. It's absolutely the best place in Mississippi to get meat. Most of you listening know that, but go check him out, LBs University Avenue across from Kroger. Colin and I, this is our selection show recap. Got into all the different seedings. Ole Miss's opponent did a pretty good breakdown of SEMO, Ace, Dylan Dodd. Kind of pumped the brakes on the whole narrative that Ole Miss got absolutely screwed by the draw. It's a tough draw, but it happens year by year. So we got into that. We looked around at the field. We kept, uh, we reserved our picks, so we won't make our picks for the tournament until Thursday's show. But we did take a glance at every regional and kind of offered some 10,000-foot view thoughts into that. So we got into a lot of different stuff. Obviously, maybe some of you are new. This is the first time you're listening to this podcast. I appreciate you guys uh, tuning in and welcome aboard. I'm so pumped to be a part of the Rebel Grove and uh, MPW Digital Network. Looking forward to get going with Chase and Neil and those guys. You'll hear me talk about it in a second at the shop, top of the show. But just a warm welcome if this is your first time listening to it. Two hours of baseball headed your way. Let's roll. Rippy Writes with Brian Scott Rippy. Transcript can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have. 
What's up? Happy Memorial Day to everyone out there. I am Brian Scott Rippey. On the other end of the line is Colin Brister. Appreciate you hanging out with us for another edition of the Rippey Rights Podcast. Uh, got some big news to get to. We will obviously break down the bracket, what Ole Miss's draw was, who they'll face. Kind of take a look back at the SEC tournament as it kind of seems warranted. We'll naturally sprinkle that in, but we're not going to spend a ton of time on the two games that Ole Miss played since uh, we last spoke. But uh, what's up, man? Not much, not much. It, uh, it's my favorite time of year. So uh, postseason starts Friday. We got the bracket today. Uh, yeah, just, uh, just a good time of year. I'm glad, uh, glad we get to do this, unlike last year. Yeah, no kidding, man. Someone said that whoever was hosting ESPN Selection Show with Kyle Peterson and that whole crew, sure. like, I'm glad we just get a bracket, stating the obvious, but hell yes. Like, that, I don't know, this time last year was a pretty depressing time of year, and now we're going to get college baseball on our televisions all day for the next four days. Uh, yeah, this is, this is a great time of year. You picked the perfect profession, by the way, uh, for this to be your favorite time of the year because uh, you're not having to go to work right now. Yeah, no, I uh, I don't have anything to do. I mean, I've got some things I'm going to do, but I don't have anything I'm required to do, like, on a daily basis until, like, you know, the first week of July. So, yeah, nice, very nice. We Before we get into the action today, I, we, we do have some a bit of breaking news on the Rippy Wrights front. Uh, as you may have seen Saturday, eve, or Saturday afternoon, it was announced that this podcast will now be incorporated under the Rivals Podcast Network. I'll start throwing the – newsletter on the Rivals Rebel Grove message board. But uh, Rippy Wrights is joining the Rivals family, and then I'll help out with some post-game stuff and some various things on their podcast network. So that came out on Saturday. Really excited about this. I appreciate Chase and Neil for the, uh, for the opportunity. I think this will be good for the podcast and the newsletter. They have a huge, huge audience, as many of you already know. Uh, a lot of you listening right now is probably the first time you're listening. Uh, so welcome. I appreciate it. I'm really excited to get going, but uh, was really pumped about this. It, uh, it's a testament to everyone that's uh, listened and subscribed uh, to the newsletter and the podcast since I started this up a couple months ago. I owe a thank you to many of you out there, that being the collective you. Also, a thanks to Colin. Uh, never in my wildest dreams did I imagine this would grow into anything, uh, not, particularly not this quickly. I think when I sat down and like started this, I was like, you know what? Two years, if I can get some subscribers up, we got a good podcast thing going. Might start shopping it, and uh, here we are three months later. So I really appreciate it. Uh, you're the only one that can respond, so just respond for the people. <laughs> no, that is cool. That's a cool deal. Obviously, I got, you told me, I think, on Friday. Um, yeah, that, that's awesome. So uh, obviously excited to be on there. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I think I've been listening to their podcast, what, like nine years now? So, uh, so it's kind of funny. We'll be in the uh, – same podcast feed is is one I've listened to for almost a decade now. I'm gonna have to start listing. So I told you this a, a couple. We talked about this a couple of times through the years. I, I've never listened. I've looked. I, I've never really gotten on their board either. It's not like a oh they're a competitor thing. It's just I don't know. Like I was covering it for a while full time, and so when like my repertoire of podcasts is usually non work related. So like you know I don't really listen to Ole Miss podcasts, right? But you know, everyone and their brother listens to this podcast. It just made it so huge and so successful. This being theirs, not the one you and I are currently uh, <laughs> farting off on. So I'm excited to kind of get more incorporated that and get it more incorporated with the board. But uh, I appreciate you uh, bringing us uh, bringing us to this point because the baseball shows have certainly been popular. I appreciate your uh, your hand in helping make this happen. For those of you out there, nothing changes on the content front. Still get the newsletter for free. Still get the meat steals 
all that just going under a larger audience. So how to get that out of the way? Extremely gracious for everyone, uh, everyone out there and, and extremely excited to get going. You know, when this went live on Saturday, I was at the bar with a couple guys. They wanted to go watch the old Miss game against Arkansas on Saturday afternoon. And I didn't tell them about it, but they're one of them I know is a subscriber on there. The other one kind of keeps up with stuff. And, like, they kind of saw it come across. And they're like, whoa, congrats. And then they kind of started screwing with me saying that uh, I've sold my company. So that kind of started making its way around the bar. Finally, another pe- like the bartender said something. He's like, heard you sold your company today. I was like, yeah, three-figure deal. Pretty sweet guy. Uh, so I'll be drinking uh, here a lot. <laughs> Tabs are on me. Yeah, so I'm rich. <laughs> it was uh, it was funny to play along with, though. But yeah, so uh, that's actually not what happened here. Rippy Wright's not a company; it's just a blog some moron started a couple a couple months ago. But it is fun to say; it really rolls off the tongue. Anyway, so I appreciate everyone that's turned this into what it is—the interaction. We've got some of your questions to get into today, too. First, let's start off though with the bracket. Ole Miss people were very angry about this, so Ole Miss. Number 12 national seed. It's kind of weird to say that now that they've gone to the whole 16 and called them all national seeds. They get Southeast Missouri as the four, which you had pointed out beforehand was kind of one of the two potential four seeds you didn't necessarily want to face because they had a true kind of draft prospect, the ace. So tough draw there. And then a pretty good two seed in Southern Miss who's probably mad they're not hosting. And then what seemed like a consensus two seed in Florida State, maybe not consensus is not the right word, but uh, a lot of people thought they'd be a two, and they dropped to the free lot, three line. Excuse me. So Ole Miss sure. got a pretty tough draw, and it made a lot of people angry. I, I, other than the four seed part of it, I didn't have a huge problem with it, but it, is, it isn't an easy draw. That is definitely um, a consensus opinion. I think – so maybe, maybe correct me if I'm wrong. I think people were frustrated when they saw Ole Miss's bracket and it said Southern Miss and Florida State, and then you look 100 miles to the south, and the two seeds are VCU and Campbell. Like, that probably had a little bit to do with the frustration, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, State – I don't know. Like, I have a hard time getting up in arms over it. I know people have short memories about this, about this type of stuff. And, like, to, like, you go back to last year or the last time we had one of these things. Ole Miss got a pretty favorable draw as, like, the sure. 13th national seed or whatever they were, right? I mean, you get a pretty hapless uh, Illinois team and a Clemson team that wasn't good by any stretch. And, honest to God, oh, Jacksonville State. Hell, the four ended up making the regional final. So, they've gotten helped out in years past. They got a tough one in 16. The one in 14 was kind of tough. thought they got a – decent-ish draw in 18 other than the whole Tennessee Tech debacle. All right. It just doesn't seem to me they take the time and care to kind of go through every single one. Uh, what's your take on that, by the way, in terms of like there not being a rhyme or reason in terms of tough regionals and non-tough regionals? I have no idea. Um, I do think there was some maybe favors pulled when you talk about Campbell and VCU. I'm not discussing Ole Misses in that realm. I, I, I thought Ole Miss was always going to get Southern Miss. That, that – I decided that last night. Uh, just from a geography standpoint, just kind of didn't make sense to not send them to Oxford uh, when there were some teams that could get to Starkville within 400 miles that maybe couldn't get to Oxford. Um, it is a 100-mile difference or whatever, and 400 miles is the cutoff as far as being able to drive or fly, I'm pretty sure. Um, and they obviously like to keep teams off of planes. Um, the Florida State thing. All right, so here's the deal. If you're going to get a tough two-seed, right, like if you're going to get Southern Miss, which I decided that I, I thought Ole Miss was always going to get. You want a tough you'd rather, 
you want a tough three because, you know, do you recall who the three seed was in 2018 when the Tennessee Tech debacle happened? Was it – I'm going to get this wrong because, forgive me, I remember I was in Cincinnati, Ohio sure. for this. I was not still covering them. I took a – that was my grad school year, so I wasn't on the beat then. Sure. Let me guess. Was okay. it – no, Boston College was the 16th. Not Boston College. So, so I'm, I'm trying to go like, – this is how I'm rejogging my own memory. This is just – I'll give story. you a hint. They were maroon. I, honest to God, have no idea. I was about to was say Central a, Michigan, but that's not right, no. is it? It's it was a hapless Missouri State team. That's right. Uh, that's right. So so let's let, let's talk about that for a second. So Ole Miss that regional gets screwed up with rain. Ole Miss beats Tennessee Tech on Sunday night, so they have to play Tennessee Tech has to then play Missouri State late on Sunday night, right? Well, you're thinking, hey, this is game three. They're going to go through some arms. Missouri State's going to make them hit. You know, they're going to have to use some pitching. They'll burn their closer. What happened? Missouri State can't hit. Tennessee Tech's three guy throws a complete game. Their closer is fully rested and ready to go. He comes out on Monday night and sh- or Monday afternoon, shoves in game one against Ole Miss. Oh, now you've got a problem because you gave up 10 runs. Uh, whereas, hey, if that guy doesn't get to throw uh, or has to throw and gets burned against Missouri State, yeah, you still give up the 10 runs, but, and you're facing, you know, mid tier OBC pitching. Like, you could probably outslug them at that point. So what I'm saying is you didn't get a tough three seed that made Missouri – that made Tennessee Tech use pitching. This year, you do. Florida State's going to make Southern Miss throw their ace. And that 1-1 one, one game, if Ole Miss is lucky enough to go 2-0, and oh, guess what? Both of those teams are going to have to throw dudes. They're going to have to burn arms because both of them are pretty good teams. That was not the case in 2018, and that's what kind of wound up screwing Ole Miss. The worst-case scenario is you get a, a kind of a devilish four like Ole Miss has gotten and then, a, you know, a little bit of an MF for right. two and a crappy three or vice versa. So, all right, everyone – and you're right. Look, you, you didn't want Southeast Missouri. I completely agree. Southeast Missouri State, once Dylan Dodd walks off the mound, is a bad baseball team, though. Like, like I, Ole Miss fans are going to overstate this all week. Once that kid leaves the field, Missouri, Southeast Missouri State is a bad baseball team. Um, so there, there, are, there were other four seeds I would have preferred Ole Miss had, obviously. But you, you obviously don't want the guy that's got an ace. But, like, in perspective, like, this team can hit. Uh, their bullpen's atrocious. They've got one dude that can shut you down for six or seven innings, so you better not blow up on the mound or then you're going to have a problem. Right. It's just from a – I guess from a – you know. I don't want to call it fake outrage because I'm sure it's unreal, but like, you know, the internet manufactured outrage. I think it's just the, the, the fan side of it in terms of there was one of two, two potential four seeds that actually had a kind of a draft prospect guy and Ole Miss gets one of them. And it's kind of like the Ole Miss. You know, yeah. The yeah. It's unfortunate that, you know, obviously he goes to a school that they can put on a bus um, to, to Oxford. Um, and he, but no, I want to be clear that this happened. This exact situation happened regarding SEMO in 2018 where, hey, Miller Hogan's coming in for St. Louis, top 150 guy, you know, be careful. He comes into Oxford and he can't throw a strike. And he was a guy that didn't walk people. Like, got to remember, too, this, this kid's going to pitch in front of 12,000 folks for the first time in his life. And uh, real chance he gets a little bit rattled. So I'm assuming that is the first time he pitches it in his life because – uh, I'm assuming when – so his his big kind of uh, – February. 
But yeah, February against Arkansas, I say claim to fame. Kid's a good pitcher, really good pitcher sure. for that league and a pretty decent draft prospect just because he throws hard enough as a really good second pitch. And they've tried to bring along two more. We'll get into that in a second. But he has faced good offenses before. And the really good offense he faced, he did go six innings of two-run ball and three hits with 10 strikeouts against Arkansas in February. That's not a, that's not a you know, concrete indication of that he's going to be able to do that with any sort of relative ease against this Ole Miss offense. But the kid has been on, you know, somewhat of the same stage in terms of that type of atmosphere. Not Atmosphere is probably not the right way to go. That stadium against that level of ball club and been okay. So he's probably a little more tested than the St. Louis kid. But you're right, it's not some death knell thing where it's like Ole Miss got it royally screwed here. They're going to face a good pitcher. And when you say good pitcher – it's nothing. So let's just go through the scouting report on him. He's what, 91, 92. I've read a couple places that he topped out 94, 95 with the fastball. And the changeup is his money pitch. Pretty good depth, low 80s. And then they tried to add a slider that hasn't really stuck. And it's an okay curveball that's kind of loopy in the high 70s that gets over. He's a good pitcher. That would tear up the – what league are they in? Is it – The OVC. OVC. I wanted to say Missouri Valley. I don't really know why. The OVC – like, that's going to tear that up. But how many bullpen arms has Ole Miss seen that has that exact repertoire? Two pretty good pitches, the third or the fourth, if they even have a fourth, is not very good. This is not something that they have not seen thousands of times. And it's oh. not, I say thousands of times, hundreds of times. And it's also not something that, you know, this is something they see, you know, late Saturday against a good team or something like this, or maybe a pretty good Saturday guy. Like, this is not something they're seeing on Friday nights in the SEC. This is not out of the ordinary I guess is what I'm trying to say without right. being too ranty. Let's uh, let's get into it. You, you want to do a scouting report? So, like you said, he's a guy's 91, 92. He's a, he's a guy that pitches a little bit like Doug, and that he has four pitches. Now, look, you Casey. He's got some vertical lift on his fastball. I think it's I, I think that's going to be you know something to look for. Uh, that just means the ball looks like it's 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 going to rise on Ole Miss It's not a big deal. It's pretty good uh, as far as uh, spin rate spin rate and whatnot but what'd you say his second best pitch was change up in low okay. 80s Cho- change up low 80s okay you know what a change up does from a lefty right you know which way it moves yes gonna move into lefties right can't really throw it against a lot of left-handed hitters so it's, that's the thing like people don't you don't throw same side change-ups you don't throw right-handed change-ups for right-handed hitters you don't throw left-handed change-ups for left-handed hitters you see what i'm saying I Ole, Miss got a, Ole Miss got a lot of left-handed hitters um, that hit left-handed pitching. I don't think this kid's going to have a ton of success on Friday night. Now, look, is he going to go throw six innings and give up eight runs? No, but I think he's going to throw six innings and give up four. Ole Miss is going to be up four to one when he leaves, and they're going to trash that bullpen. Like, I, I think that's what's coming. You're talking about a guy that's probably going to have to rely on third and fourth pitches and sliders and curveballs, and the slider's not very good. Uh, just from looking at some trackman stuff, it's it's not very good. I, I don't think this goes well for my friend on Friday night. I, I think Ole Miss is able to get him out of there after six and, like I said, be up four to one, five to one, and then they'll they'll trash the bullpen for two innings. And I, I Look, like you said, kid's pretty good pitcher on Saturday. But the difference is what's coming behind it because this kid's not going to throw nine innings. Agree. And two, part, two main things I want to hit off of what you just said 
is the first one is the whole left-handed hitters that hit left-handed pitching is what has kind of blown up this narrative. And you know, I hate using the word narrative because nowadays it's been like bastardized into a word that doesn't mean, mean something that's not true. Narrative can certainly be true. You had kind of a two-ish, maybe three. I can't remember as much going back to 17. Two, three-year stretch where Ole Miss was like, they struggle against left-handed pitching, and they kind of blew that up this year. And that's kind of, in my opinion, the root cause of it, wouldn't you say, is the fact that they've had so many left-handed hitters that hit yeah. left-handed pitching well. This kid is a left-hander, so like that doesn't really – that's not really kind of something you would look out for with this team because they have no problems hitting left-handers. The second part of it is the kid is going to go distance. I mean, unless Ole Miss just puts up like a, you know, a nine or ten spot on him through the first three innings, the kid – they're going to leave him out there. I mean, if you look at his game log this year, six, six, seven, five, seven, seven, two thirds, five, six, six and two thirds, seven, 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 six, two thirds, six and two thirds. And I'm giving him six. Yeah, and those aren't all great starts. He gave up five runs in one of those his last outing. He gave up six runs on nine hits. Excuse all me, right. seven runs, six earned on nine hits to Austin P. My point being is, like, even if Ole Miss gets to him, the kid will probably have some length because they, it's exactly what you said. They, their manager, whatever his name is, knows that he's their best chance even if he's getting hit up a little bit. So if Ole Miss gets after him, you're going to see him second maybe three times through the order unless it's just atrocious. So you brought up a really good point with that last start. I don't know if you've looked at it. He gave up a lot of runs. What was the line for his last start? He gave up, he went six and two-thirds. He gave up seven runs, six earned on nine hits against Austin. He, gave up. he struck out 11 with no walks. He gave up one earned run through six, though. So they, they sent him out there for the seventh, and he just kept getting tattooed. Now, they were up pretty good in that game, and, and uh, Austin P came back. But like you said, they're going to leave him out there because they know a tired him or a guy that's – even him versus the third time through the order is going to be better than what their bullpen is. Um, but that tells you about their bullpen, right? Um, it's not very good. Um, I, I think – Look, I think Ole Miss is going to be fine on Friday. I think it depends on who they're pitching. Um, if you know, if they're pitching Derek, I'm, obviously there's a chance Derek could have a bad day. They're pitching Doug. If 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 it comes out while we're on this podcast that hey, they're pitching Doug Nikhazy, we don't even have to discuss this game anymore. It's over. Like Ole Miss is not losing to Simo is with with Doug Nikhazy starting the game. Yeah, that was kind of my next transition. One last point I did want to make on this is he did have a stretch there in early uh, – late or really early May because it was the start. Yeah. Where he, he did go 21 innings of shutout baseball where he struck out, I think, 24 guys and gave up a total of nine hits. And you think that's pretty good. And it is pretty good. But one of them is against Eastern Kentucky who finished second to last in that league. The other one was against Lipscomb who is kind of a what – Middle – no, Lipscomb's not even in that league. Why are they playing Lipscomb there in that spot? That had to be a COVID deal, right? Uh, yes, as good as mine. Yes, as good as mine. And then the other one comes in that thing at Belmont, who was a bottom-tier team in that league as well. Like the top-tier team. So if you look at the uh, Missouri Valley standings this year, SEMO won the league. Missouri State is second – or excuse me, Moorhead State is second. And his start – against Moorhead State – Murray State was tw- uh, second. Sorry, Moorhead State was third. His start against Murray State gave up three runs on six hits, walked the guy, struck out three. He was okay. I don't want to go all the way down the line, but if you look at his game log, the better teams in this conference got to him a little bit. He dominated the bottom tier part of it, which is what good pitchers do. But, you know, if you're not absolutely stifling everyone in that league, you're not some guy that Ole Miss needs to be overly worried about. He's just better than uh, what you're used to seeing – 
There's also a flip side of this before we get into this. How many times have you seen in a regional where some other four seeds ace doesn't like match up anywhere close velo wise to anything that uh, a one seed has seen and it takes them four or five innings to get into a game and bust an open. So in some ways it might work out a little bit for Ole Miss in that sense. It's not going to be some kid that's like 83, 84 where the first four innings Ole Miss strikes out seven times. It's like, what are these guys doing? Yeah, no, I mean, he's going to be 90 to 92, which is fine. Um, I, I have a tough time. So I was, it was described to me, and I think I may have said this, He's Doug, but a lot worse. Like, he pitches like Doug, but his stuff's not near what Doug's is. Like, you're going to have four pitches that he, he can throw them into the strike zone. But I'm, you're, you're talking about a short slider here, and you're talking about a changeup. That's a pretty good pitch. But, like I said, against left-handed hitters, it's kind of neutralized. So, you're right. I, I don't – look, I don't think this kid's coming into Oxford and shoving. I mean, we're, we're talking – this kid's never pitched in front of 12,000 before. He's going to be nervous. They're going to be yelling at him. I'm sure they're going to be talking about his girlfriend out in right field. Like, he, he's never experienced what he's going to experience on Friday. And while he's good, I'm not sure he's better than Derek Diamond. Like, if Ole Miss does go that route, I'm not sure I wouldn't rather have Derek Diamond than him. Um, so, yeah, look, Ole Miss is going to have to show up. I think that's the only thing, right, with the four seed is, hey, you got to show up, you got to play. If you play like crap, you got a chance to get beat. Ole Miss shows up, they're not going to have any issues regardless of who they pitch. For sure, and that's the difference, right? If you get the, the four seed that just doesn't really have it and is thankful to win their league and get in this tournament, you could score seven, eight runs and not really show up. The difference here is you have to show up in that sense, and I know that sounds simplistic and cliched, but like if Ole Miss has a bad day at the plate, that kid is good enough to make sure. it for it to where if they're not good at the plate against kind of a more casual four seed against a kid that's not even a draft prospect, you can still get away with it. It's the fact that the kid has the ability to do what you thought where you, get, where you talk about going in front of 12,000 and shutting Ole Miss down for six innings. If they suck at the plate, he has the ability to do that. There's just not a lot of four seeds that have the ability to even do that even if Ole Miss is bad. But like you said, if Ole Miss is good and has a good approach at the plate, I think they'll be fine against this kid. And that brings you into the actual uh, – what makes this actually a debate is uh, what camp do you fall into in terms of who Ole Miss should pitch on Friday night against seed Southeast Missouri State? Let's do this, and we can do it vice versa. Who who do you expect – I'm going to ask you two different questions. You give me two different names. Who do you expect to take the ball on Friday night for Ole Miss? I expect Doug and I th would throw Doug. Okay. I think I absolutely agree. Um, I, the only part of that that gives me a little pause is why didn't he announce him? Um, and, and some people will say, well, he did announce him, you know, for the SEC tournament. That that was a seeing, hey, if, if Doug going to be, you know, recovered enough to be able to throw by Tuesday. He's going to be recovered, obviously, enough to throw Friday. So why was he not announced at the media setting? So I'll give you a good answer to that. Okay. You know, I answer my question. You said, <laughs> I think I have the exact same thought. It's a thought, right? Yeah. It's not dead. It's not dead red. Okay, they drew the four seed with kind of the, the kid as a draft prospect. You throw Doug. It's still a thought, and it's still a discussion. And I just imagine Mike may want a little more time to mull it over because I had to think about it as well. It, even immediately when they drew Simo, my first instinct was, okay, they're probably throwing Doug. And then you look at the numbers and you look at this kid and you think, Ole Miss could absolutely beat this team with Derek Diamond on the mound. Ole Miss could probably beat this team like six or seven times out of ten with Drew McDaniel on the mound. But it's the stage. 
and it's 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 who's across it's having the competency across from you in my opinion as well whereas like if it's a jackson state or i guess southern's in it but you get my point you'd feel okay throwing diamond because if he had a bad inning and Ole Miss got down four nothing earlier not really sweating whereas against a kid like this while i think Ole Miss will be fine if you have that diamond blow up inning in the third or fourth inning you really start putting pressure on your offense to face a kid that's a lot better than they'd be used to seeing against a four seed. So that's why I think it's Doug. But I think Mike didn't announce it because it is a thought. It's something to weigh. It's not a – so I think he may want a little more time to weigh it, if that makes sense. Sure. Here's why I would throw Doug. And there's two reasons. Has, all right, so this is, this is Derek Diamond and, and Drew McDaniel's second year on campus, correct? I'm, I'm right in saying that. Yes. Um, has either one of them pitched in a regional game? Nope. Okay. Either one of them pitched in front of 13,000 people with your season on the line? Nope. Okay. I think I'll probably just go out and let everybody breathe and get a wind under my belt. Because it is – is there – and I'm, I'm going to ask you some questions, some short answer questions. Not short answer questions. I'm, I'm just trying to get somewhere. Is there a world where Doug Nikhazy loses on Friday to SEMA? I mean, I guess I would have a very hard time envisioning right. it. So I'll say Still, no for the sake of the argument. All right. So you're going to roll into Saturday feeling good. You played well in the SEC tournament. Derek Diamond believes in himself. And here's where I think I can I, – I, here's why I throw down. Right. I don't want to undercut your point, but you're going towards the fact that if you get to Saturday, it's two pretty crap offenses that strike out a lot. Yes. And here's where I'm getting at. Doug throws against SEMA, right? Doug's going to throw seven innings. Doug's going to throw eight innings. You're probably going to win six to one, seven to one. They got a real shot to get out of Friday not using Broadway, not using Dordery, and not using Brandon Johnson, right? Is, is, is that realistic? Like, hell, if Doug throws, Ole Miss can get out of there not throwing those three guys, correct? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, okay. ideally, so, building off of your point before you continue, ideally, if Ole Miss up, like, Oh, six, seven, one, or seven, eight, one in the seventh or eighth. He's he probably going somewhere. I don't know if it's per se West Burton, but the, could you go Tyler Myers and just say, "Hey, dude, finish this off," so you really well, have bullets available or something. No, you, in that you don't. You don't do Myers in case you got into a fourth game. But, but you, you no, do. No, no, that's it. You get my point. That, that sure. somewhere in that 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 echelon of the bullpen. Yeah. Um. Or you let like, no, Miller like, probably. Yeah, Miller's fine. I, I was just gonna say let Doug finish it if his pitch count's not crazy. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, but my my point is, all right, let's let's play this out. You get through Friday night, Dordery. I can't ever say this kid's name name right. Dordery, uh, Johnson, Broadway don't throw. Okay, you have them ready for Saturday. How much do you need out of Derek Diamond? You don't need six innings. You need like four. Give me four and two, kid. And we're and this thing's over. Right, and three and some change. And then, honestly, if he's good, everything you get after him, after that fourth inning, is just setting you up even better to obliterate whoever you're getting in the third game. Yeah, yeah. So this – that, and it's funny. We spent, what, a month and a half on this podcast saying, hey, you can't throw Doug against the four seed, and now it's time. It's like, oh, you probably need to. Um, but a lot of that, like – so – and I'll say this. If Diamond and McDaniel – had gone over to Hoover and pitched like crap. I just said you got you can't throw it. You, you can't do it. But you, you have to now. Um, you, or I don't say I'm not gonna say you have to. If Mike decides to throw diamond, I'm not gonna have any fault with that. 
I'm just saying I would. I expect Mike to. And I think the the rationale is, hey, I can get through this first game, save my bullpen, and I don't need a heck of a lot out of Derek Diamond. I need like three or four innings, bud. And I'm going to turn it over to this bullpen that's been really good. They're going to shut it down. We're going to win. It's going to be 2-0. And I think you'll agree with this. And, look, I know what happened in 2018. Ole Miss gets to 2-0. This thing's probably over, right? I would agree. I mean, unless they've just had to tax their bullpen and it was two battles to get to 2-0, which I don't necessarily envision. That's what I was kind of getting at when you talk about if anything passed the fourth inning with Diamond. I mean, man, if you if you get through Friday and Diamond is good against two of those – like one of those two pedestrian offenses and he goes like six or something and you really don't have to use a lot of that Broadway, Doherty, uh, Johnson upper tier of the bullpen heading into that game three, that other team you're facing on Sunday is not going to have anywhere close to that in terms of an ammunition standpoint. And they got to face the best offense in the regional on top of that. So it would really, really set up well for Ole Miss if they got through two games with relative ease. What if I told you three weeks ago we're going to be sitting on here advocating throwing Doug Nikhazy against the four seed? I know. I almost feel like we should bring that up because we, almost, <laughs> like, it, we got to the point like the last couple of podcasts where we were like, making the audience pissed off before like this has even happened and it's even become a decision because we were so adamant barring one or two exceptions i think you may have used the semo kid and the grand canyon kid as an exception barring that you can't throw doug against the four seed well then those two guys go shove and hoover the other two guys being diamond and mcdaniel and hell myers for that matter as well and then you get one of those two exceptions. So I was about to like, – I kind of was writing through the notes before this podcast and was like, well, I guess we might have to eat crow. It's not really eating crow because we gave that stipulation and this absolutely qualifies. I mean, the, that kid will get drafted on the first day of the draft – or second day of the draft, will he not? Yeah, yeah, he's a, he's a top 150 prospect. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so, I, I mean, you got the exception. Um, and, I, look, might not, might not do it. I don't know. Um, I do think there is think a world. He he, he's I, always I, prone to throw his best guy anyway, and now he has a smidgen of an excuse or a smidgen of doubt might be the better way to phrase it. He's yeah. throwing Doug, don't you think? So my ration, yes, I do. My rationale to for him to say he's not is, hey, Derek Diamond has to pitch against Florida State, Southern Miss, or SEMO. Um, which one do I want him to pitch against? I, I think there is a possibility that he has that mindset. I, I don't know. But if you made me bet dollars, I would go on uh, Doug Nikhazy pitches on Friday night. And no matter – with so playing that forward, say Ole Miss gets through and everything goes according to plan on Friday night, whether it's Florida State or it's Southern Miss, in Florida State you're getting a bad offense that, to their credit, they hit a decent amount of nukes. I mean, uh, like – sorry. They're Alabama. One up. They're, yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's a great way to phrase it. But hold that thought for like two seconds. They're third in the conference in home runs. I think they're like fourth in slugging. They're dead last in average. And they're way, way ahead in strikeouts. What they've struck out, I think it was like five, yeah, 559 times this year. And Southern, on the other hand, is just kind of pedestrian. Southern struggles. They're not a team that strikes out just an absolute ton. But they also don't hit a ton of home runs. They also don't hit the ball in the gaps. Particularly, I guess they are a top-four team in their league in home runs, but it's still 64 over a 30-game conference season. They're a middle-of-the-pack team in slugging, and they are a middle-of-the-pack team in on-base percentage. But point being, particularly if it's Florida State, 
Like that offense is going to translate well, either one for Derek Diamond to be fine. And what did you just say when I asked you who Florida State or said Florida State? Who'd you say they were? Alabama. What did Diamond do against Alabama? He was fine. He went six innings and gave up three runs. Let me tell you, he goes six innings and gives up three runs on Saturday. The Rebels will be two and up. And the other one, I know Auburn was dealing with some injuries, but Southern Miss is a little bit comparable to Auburn if you kind of look at the two numbers. And what did Derek Diamond do to, do to Auburn? Shut them down. Six um, and if he got if he was half as good against either one of those clubs, it, 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 I'm losing my train of thought. If he's half as sure. good against Florida State or Southern Miss as he was against either Alabama or Auburn, Ole Miss is going to be sitting pretty. Let's uh let's go through this. Where where, where did Derek Diamond's struggles can't come from? So so we just talked about Auburn and Alabama. He he, he pitched pretty well against them. Although the, the Alabama one was a little wild, but whatever. It was he got it was good fortune, but hey, he still made it six, and there were parts of that sure. year where no matter let's, how fortunate he got, let's he was. discuss. Sure, let's discuss where Derek Diamond's struggles came. Arkansas, they're pretty good, right? I would say so. Okay, Florida, pretty good. Yes. Okay, Mississippi State, they're pretty good. They are, and that was and you, that was a relief appearance, and you remember that was not as bad as it it, it seemed. Sure. Vanderbilt, they're pretty good? Yes. Okay. So, do you see where I'm getting at here? Where was he good? Just go down the line. LSU. LSU. Good against Georgia. He was Georgia. fine against A&M until it went to hell. Yes. Good against a I mean, good against Vanderbilt the second time. And like yeah. we mentioned on that previous podcast, it, it, it wasn't a ballpark deal. So, what your point about how he's against the elite offenses, he hasn't been great, but he's been good against the middle to bottom tier – that's also coupled with the fact that he's pitching better than he has all year, right? This is as good as yeah. he's looked since he took the mound against Texas. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, he was fine against Georgia. That's what I'll give him as fine against Georgia. And he was he was elite against Vanderbilt. Um, yeah, I, look, I, it's, it's, it's twofold, right? Like, I used to think, hey, they have to throw Diamond against the four seed because I don't think he can beat a two seed. And, and my mindset has changed in that I no longer think that, like, if Diamond takes the ball versus the two seed, I think Ole Miss is going to win. Look, look, you we can talk about this regional and it's tough, and you got two name programs in Southern Miss and Florida State who are pretty good and all this stuff. Ole Miss is, I think, Ole Miss is still going to go three and zero. Oh. Like if you made me bet, hey, what's gonna what's gonna happen? Weekend, you have to pick a team that's going to win, and there you have to pick their record. I'm going to say Ole Miss is going three and zero. Oh. Like, and maybe that's homerish, but they're better than Southern Miss. They're better than Florida State, and they're hell of a lot better than SEMO. Just go play well. If they'll play like they did in Hoover, this this thing will be over Sunday night. Well, yeah, Monday, I, because it's going to rain, I'm sure. I haven't checked the weather. I just know it's going to rain. I uh, I agree. I'm actually going to be in Oxford and may not attend a single game. How are you managing that? I uh, One of those post-one-year uh, anniversary parties – not anniversary – they got married during COVID and they want to have their reception type of deals. So, Oh my God. Yeah. So I got that rolling at six o'clock on a Saturday, but I've got my flight schedule worked out. I didn't, I, I am a flight wizard at this point. I did not have to take a vacation day and I've got my flight schedule worked out to where I think at worst I will miss an inning of the Friday game. So not the okay. press pretty impressive. I should become a trash. Oh, oh, okay. I thought you said you weren't going to go to a game. So I was like, how are you managing that? So you will go to the Friday game. No, no, no. I will be I will be able to watch it on my phone and oh. then watch it somewhere. I will not be if I go, it would be late. Like I no, I I meant that. I don't 
depending on when time they play Saturday, I may be able to go. But if it's a Saturday evening game, I may it's leave Oxford Saturday out evening. attending a game. Goodness. So you're not going to be there on Sunday night? No, I got to go back to work on Monday. Being a corporate sellout's a tough gig. <laughs> so, anyway. I will be uh... – I'll be at all three of the Ole Miss games. So I usually – I use, I don't know how many regionals you went to when we were in school, but, like, I would usually go to the games that Ole Miss didn't play in. But now that they're all on TV, that's kind of made like, I'm not going and sitting out in that heat for that. I, I got an Airbnb. I'm going to sit in the condo. It'll be nice. Yeah, I mean, I had to go – I didn't go to the games that Ole Miss uh, – that Ole Miss didn't play in, but, I mean, I had to cover all of them in school. So, like, kind of playing this out forward. I, I guess the way to go next is – you probably throw Doug. I certainly believe Mike is going to throw Doug. Sure. And then you get to Saturday. Let's just play other scenarios out. Let's just say Ole Miss loses the Saturday game. What is your – let's say they lose the Saturday game to, I don't know, Southern Miss. Not that it, okay. not that it matters. What is your strategy to try to get it to a winner-take-all game from that point on? Obviously, I mean, the first thing's taken care of. It's, it's – Florida State I'm, or SEMO. Yeah, I mean, it's McDaniel, but what would you do? In, like, I guess it would depend on who you have to use, and I'm asking an open-ended question here. But generally, just say they lose the second game, they, lose a, they use a moderate amount of bullpen arms. How are you sure. trying to get it to the winner-take-all game? Well, I mean, at, at that point, right, you hope McDaniel can beat Florida State. Um, otherwise, it's kind of moot. But, I mean, look, if you can get it back to Southern Miss on a Sunday night at that point, I mean, you, you've got an opportunity – uh, I'm not going to say it's a good opportunity to win two games, but you've got a shot, especially if you can get it to Monday. So if, if that's my, if that's what happens to me, if I lose on Saturday, I'm expending everything I obviously got to get to Monday. Um, and I'll deal with Monday as it comes because look, we can argue arm care. We can argue all this stuff. You know, what's happening if this thing goes to Monday, right? Like, like we, and if Doug pitches Friday, we know who's taking the ball on Monday. Um, he may not give you the Drew Pomerantz outing. He may not give you set six innings. He's taking the ball on Monday. I would. I mean, look, I could be wrong on that. I just the the kind of you know him better than I, I do. You covered him. Um, he just kind of seems like the kid that hey, if our season's on the line and uh, my arm can move forward, I'm taking the ball. So I do everything I can to get through Sunday, and I'll show up Monday and I'll give 26 the ball, and we'll see what happens. You're exactly right. He's not the Pomerantz to where Pomerantz might have taken his belt off and strangled Mike and hung him upside the <laughs> dugout if he had not gotten the ball. Doug would react in a much different way, but with the same amount of emotion and fury just portrayed different or expressed differently, if that makes yeah. any sense at all. But they're yeah. definitely kind of two birds in a feather in terms of competitiveness and really kind of relishing the idea that all of that's on their shoulders. I guess I, bet, I asked a stupid open-ended question. They're asking you to play out the scenarios to get them to Monday. The way I should have asked it is, does anything this team did in Hoover change your thinking in hey. terms of, you know, we kind of said if they get into a loser's bracket, meaning they lose the second game, the game against the two or the three seed, they might be in a little bit of trouble. Does anything that happened in Hoover change your opinion on that? So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if, if we're talking about a team. All right, so let's, let's talk about this. So they played on Tuesday. They, it, this is essentially a regional. They win on Tuesday. They lose on, th on uh, Wednesday, right? They went on Thursday. They went on Friday. And they get to Saturday, and they had a shot to win on Saturday, right? Like, yeah, they had their worst offensive day of the year. They scored two runs. Had a shot to win on Saturday. Absolutely some things changed my mind. Hoover. We're talking about a much tougher uh, deal of teams. We talk about Vanderbilt, Arkansas, and really Auburn, who played well that day. Um, 
you know, so yes, do I think that Ole Miss can get through a loser's bracket of a regional now? Yeah, I do, because they kind of proved that they would be able to do that over there in Hoover. Now, I get that the days are a little bit more spread out, but look, they didn't hit well over there in Hoover either, and I I would think that they hit a lot better at home. Um, So, yes, I, I do think that Look, you don't want to do it, obviously, but I do think if this has to go through a, a loser's bracket and you have to get into Monday, I do think there is an opportunity to uh, to get through it. I'm glad you phrased that exactly the way you phrased it because this is actually a nugget I had written up for uh, tomorrow's newsletter. Be sure to check that out, rippyrights.substack.com. They just did it against yeah. better offenses. And, yeah. you know, they lose the Wednesday night game, right? And then they win Thursday and Friday – and exactly like you said, they lost Saturday. But why were we saying that Ole Miss was going to have trouble making it through the loser's bracket of a regional? What was the reason? Because they didn't have enough pitching. And they didn't lose Saturday because they're pitching. I mean, Cody yeah. Adcock, who had never been on anything close to that stage, pitched well, and so did everyone behind him against probably the best offense in the SEC. I know there's argument Ole Miss is the best offense in the SEC. But those dudes from Arkansas are pretty dang good, and Ole yeah. Miss lost three to two. Like, I- I'm glad you phrased it that way. My thinking on it has totally changed because they just did it against presumably better offenses and probably better pitching staffs. And the one game that cost them from being able to make it to the SEC championship game was certainly not because of their pitching. And that's probably a good way. Let's sidebar for a second and do look back on what happened for Friday and Saturday for Ole Miss because we have not uh, had a podcast since. And I think it's important sure. that we're talking about it in this context. Uh, Tyler Myers, man. What a moment for his career, for a kid that's undergone Tommy John, was not necessarily a highly recruited kid out of high school. He, Tyler Myers beat Jack Leiter on, Thursday, on Friday afternoon to Hoover. What, in, what were the betting odds been on that? He was magnificent, and Plus it was not a Hoover domination. It was not a death by fly ball, big ballpark, getting lucky thing. He was dominant. You asked for the betting odds. They were plus 185, just letting everybody know. Um, the game? Yeah. Okay, so shock me. Yeah, because um, I, I asked somebody that would know, like right before first pitch, I was like, hey, what's the line here? And they sent it to me. I was like, oh. Um, but, yeah, no, look, you. I'm sure you probably – so where I'm sitting, right, like I'm sitting right behind a home plate kind of up near the press box. So I can't see how good his stuff is, and I haven't gone back and rewatched. I probably need to do that. But, like, I can just tell you this. Vanderbilt kept swinging and missing a heck of a lot. Uh, I mean, that's a really good option fence over there in that dugout so it, obviously the kid had a pretty electric stuff was able to throw uh strikes and he, what, what was impressive to me is he was able to pitch backwards right like hey it's two one count I'm flipping this curveball in there um they weren't able to sit on anything which is which is imperative to, for his success look that that kid like you said has been through a lot um if Ole Miss has to get to a fourth game they might have the best fourth game starter in the country there's not a whole lot of fourth starters that goes up against Vanderbilt on a day in Hoover where it's pretty freaking hot and the ball's going to fly. I mean, Kevin Graham hit himself in the face on the scoreboard now um, and just shut that offense down. Like, like, there's not a whole lot of fourth starters that can beat Jack Leiter, and Ole Miss has one. Seven innings, five, uh, five hits, one earned run allowed, six strikeouts and a walk. And those five hits, unless I'm missing one, were not – Exactly tattooed. Uh, so so the first two guys of the game got hits, and they were massacred. And I'm sitting up there like, ah, oh, crap, this is not going well. And then dude just was like, nah, nobody else is getting on. You're done. 
Yeah, I mean, it was really a three-hitter. Yeah, <laughs> like after those first two, it was a domination. And it, it, was, it was as impressive of a performance and an as unlikely one as I can remember in the last three years for Ole Miss baseball. You mentioned well, the game four starter aspect of it. Does that change how you would use your bullpen at all? Whether Ole Miss is in a loser's bracket or not, it, it, does it change how you use Myers this weekend just in case there is a game four? Yeah, absolutely. I don't use him. Um, the only way I use him is if I'm up big in a game three where I can clinch the regional. I, I, I am a believer now. I'm a believer in, hey, you need to have four starters in a regional because just there's so many things that can happen. Um, I would, yeah, I would preserve him for uh, – he probably wouldn't start on Monday, let's be real, but I would, I would more than likely need him to pitch a, a bulk of innings on Monday if you got to that point. So I, I'm a person that – people can disagree with me, and that's fine. I am someone that believes in uh, – preserving a starter for Monday or a game four. Your game four is not always on Monday. But the only uh, the only circumstance that it wouldn't be that case is, hey, Derek Diamond has to come out after 1.2 because, you know, he's got some tightness in his shoulder or something. Um, he needs somebody to throw some long relief. Um, but outside of that, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't envision a scenario where they should use Myers out of the pen. Do you remember who started the fourth game for Ole Miss in 18? I know who. I'm just testing you. Yeah, uh, Jordan Fowler. Where is he He was now? actually pretty good. He was pretty good. He was really good given that stage. Yeah. Uh, he actually went to D2 school, and I think he may have gone pro after a year. Not totally sure. Who would have started a game four for Ole Miss in 2019? Uh, so, it would have it would have been Zach Phillips. Exactly. Who would you take out of the three if you had to pick one of those three to start a game four? Uh, all right. So I, all right. At the time, it's probably Fowler, right? Yeah, I'm going to say – I know where you're getting at. And, and, look, obviously what he did is special. But, now you got to remember back in 2018, Fowler was dealing. Yes. Uh, he he shut down A&M the week before in the tournament. I'm probably taking Fowler if it's 2018 Fowler. I agree. I, I was uh, that was. I mean, I kind of beat you to the punch on that answer. But how far off is it between he and Myers? He certainly. I would rather have Tyler Myers than Zach Phillips. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, no. So I, I think Myers is a totally competent. Obviously, obviously, what he did against Vanderbilt, but I think he's a totally competent option on, on in a game four situation. Um, again, I'm just someone that, and, and obviously, people have different opinions, and that's fine. Um, but I'm just someone that I I save a guy for a game four situation. I, I just – I don't have him throw any bullets in the first three. And if I unfortunately get through this and don't throw him, that sucks. But uh, I, I've i got to have that insurance policy. What – uh, just real quick, what did you think of everything that uh, transpired on Saturday for Ole Miss? You know, Adcock, the kid tags him for a two-run home run, his third out of the first inning, took every single inch of the ballpark. But the kid settled yeah. in was pretty good at that. Just what were your takeaways from Saturday? I thought Ole Miss – wasn't their greatest day at the plate offensively, um, but I, I thought they were pretty good. I mean, it, it was kind of on par with the rest of the week, right? The two games Ole Miss lost that week, you were kind of like, yeah, they lost barely on the short end of stick in two really tight ball games against two elite clubs. Yeah. Um, so there is something, I'll, I'll say this, there is something to knowing how to win, and that Arkansas team just has it for whatever reason. And I'm not saying Ole Miss doesn't. But, like, if you had told me, literally, if you had told me, hey, um, Arkansas is going to throw score three runs, Cody, Ake, I, yeah, Cody Adcock is going to pitch 4.1 innings, Kevin Copps isn't even going to get loose. And I said, well, Ole Miss won eight 
to throw. But so, like you said, it, it was not their best day at the plate. Uh, I thought Adcock was good. Um, he threw the ball into the strike zone, which is what you're asking that part. Hey, man, don't walk people. Throw it in the strike zone. We'll try to go catch it. Um, I wish they'd have caught it a little bit better, obviously, but, you know, that is what it is. Um, you know, Wes Burton I thought was really good. And I know Jackson Kimbrell gave up the run, but I thought he was pretty good. Um, yeah, obviously pretty good on the mound on, on Saturday. It was frustrating from a hitting standpoint, obviously, to only score the two runs against Arkansas. You know, Connor Nolan comes in and throws three scoreless. Connor Nolan has an 11.57 ERA on the year. Um, that was the most frustrating part is, is them not having any, any success against Nolan. But, look, like I said, that's an Arkansas team that knows how to win. Um, that's why they're the number one overall seed. And if I had to pick someone to win the national title, that's why I'd pick them. Uh, yeah, we are in agreement there. Uh, they kind of seem to be, you know, there, there was a year, like, you know, night team, everyone seemed to be chasing Vanderbilt, and they seemed to be like everyone seemed to be quite a level below. There's yeah. a, It's not the same thing this year. No. Is that team, but they're a hell of a lot more beatable. But they're certainly that, that, that club this year. It's them, and then it's not them in the field to where it was Vanderbilt in 2019, but Arkansas is the best team in the field, and can anyone kind of catch them? Yeah. I mean, the the second-best team in the field, they kind of dominated in the SEC championship game. So, um, And I did say that. I think Tennessee is better than Vanderbilt. I think so, too. I think if that series was played again, it would go differently. And at the end of the day – by the way, real quick on the SEC tournament, it was such a shame that the uh, best pitching duo of all time in the history of the intergalactic nation went 0-2 in the SEC tournament. That was such a shame. I'll let you beat that drum for a second. Go ahead. No, I mean, I just – you know, I heard all year that Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter were the best pitchers in the history of the universe and could never be beaten. And I saw on two separate days – well, two consecutive days that uh, they got beat. Just kind of – that was kind of funny. I enjoyed well, we that. We debunked that a while back by naming four duos that actually had better <laughs> numbers. And we saw with our own two eyes in the last five years that were better. I mean, I'm only 26 years old. I could name two off the bat. They're great prospects. And sure. they'll probably be two great big leaguers. But, like – uh, I don't know, Alex Lang, Jared Poche, John Doc Saxis, a- John Doc Saxis, Asa Lacey. That's a Connor Hoagland, Doug Nikaji. What's the what who was the kid paired up with AJ Puke at Florida a couple years ago? Uh, Tyler Dyson. Yeah, he was pretty good. Um there's yeah. been some good duos. I do agree that that storyline was a little overplayed. I think that's kind of funny. Uh real quick, last thought, uh, before we kind of look at the field and then maybe take some of the listeners' questions. Uh, last thought. It kind of struck me as I was thinking about this this morning as we were kind of preparing the podcast. I was actually thinking about this as I was getting just absolutely pissed upon by rain on the golf course. What'd you shoot? I, we only made it through nine holes. I shot four over through nine holes. Pretty Not bad, but uh, we, it, it was one of those deals where we could have continued, but no one wanted to get soaked over that. So I feel like, I feel like golf's a sport you have to wake up early for, and that's just not for me. No, you can play. You can pretty much play whenever. A buddy of mine got an early tee time just because he had stuff to do later in the afternoon. But if it's not overly hot, I actually per- prefer to play around eleven or noon. I got you. Uh, anyway, what I was thinking about was collectively as a pitching staff, injuries aside, I'm trying to think of the right way to phrase this. Even since Hoagland, like even if Ho- since Hoagland was healthy, even including the time that he was healthy. Has the collective pitching staff pitched any better than they are at this current moment in the season? Texas. As a whole, right. not just the starters or the relievers. As a whole, bullpen starters, as it, have they pitched collectively better as they're pitching in this moment? No. No. That's a good sign. 
Yeah, no. I, the only other time I could argue was that Alabama Auburn weekend, but you know, I mean, they still gave up eleven runs to Auburn on Sunday. Um, you know, Alabama hit them around a little bit on Saturday. Um, but no, I, I think uh, I think look, man. I mean, they they've they've you know, so I think this. I think anybody that's listened to us realizes we have no problem criticizing Mike Bianco when it's warranted. Like I, I'm not one to hold back. Like I thought the A&M decision was horrific. I thought the Mississippi State decision was just insane. He deserves a little bit of credit because a month ago or a month and a half ago, we looked up and said, oh, my God, this bullpen's atrocious. Look at it going into the postseason. It's like, nice this bullpen's okay. Pretty good. Like Brandon Johnson's good. Taylor Broadway's really good. Jack Doherty's really good. Jackson Campbell's fine. Um, Tyler Myers is a fourth starter, a long reliever. He's pretty good. Like, he does deserve a little bit of credit for figuring this out. And I think there is something to – people freak out a little bit. They, they've already kind of done it with next year's pitching staff. Look, for all the criticisms, all the, all the flaw or the flaws you want to find in Mike Bianco, and some of them are certainly warranted, he just figures out the pitching staff. He figures it out. And, and credit to them this year, they, they have figured it out. And I would be shocked if you go into 2022 and they don't have a really good pitching staff because that's just kind of what they do. It is. It's what he does. And, you know, two of the four names when you talked about uh, this pitching staff is kind of good. Now, two things can be true at once because there was a stretch in April and early May where they sure. were stretches, right? There were stretches where it was like, can anybody on this roster get outs not named Doug Nikhazy? Anyone? Like, <laughs> Anyone. And Broadway. Give, hold on. And Broadway. Yeah, sorry. You're right. That, that's the other caveat. Anyone not named Taylor Broadway. Like, can anyone but their, you know, Friday night guy now and their closer, can anyone else get outs on this roster? And he deserves, I think, more than a little bit. I think he deserves a lot of credit for finding it. Because two of the four names you just mentioned, one of them was redshirting until late April, and the other one threw his first SEC inning on, like, May 15th. So, like – he deserves credit for finding it. I think he deserves an immense amount of credit. And then just collectively, bullpen aside, because I think the bullpen kind of mirrors like this team's trajectory this season. I, this statement, both this statement to me, can be attributed to both the bullpen and the team's season collectively. There was a world where this got off the rails after Gunner goes down against Texas A&M. You lose the Sunday game the way you did. You're staring down yes. Jack Slider and Kumar Rocker, and it absolutely did not. This team grinned its teeth and went what? Four and two four down and that three. stretch and yeah. against two pretty uh, – one really good club, one decent club, and had a really good run in Hoover and found itself. I think he deserves a ton of credit for that despite all the criticism because I know we have some new listeners probably to this one. Go back and listen to the state, uh, the Mississippi State Sunday postgame and the A&M postgame Sunday. This is not a uh, – this is not a Mike, Mike Bianco, Bianco safe podcast. <laughs> no, this is not a safe space for Mike Bianco. Um but Ellie yeah, hates but, me. Like, the, we'll just put it out there. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Um, I think if, if Mike, if you put truth serum in him, and he might, he might if you asked him honestly. I don't know if he would. I think if you asked him, though, he would probably say, yeah, I screwed up not using Brandon Johnson more. Like, I, I, think, I think he might. Look, it's obvious at this point, right? Like, yeah, I probably should have gone to the guy that throws 96. Um, kudos to him because what's, what's a criticism of Mike, right? He's stubborn, right? Set that, that's his a, ways to a fault. Okay. Well, the last weekend of the year, he puts this cat in that hasn't thrown a meaningful SEC inning all year, and he shoves. He uses him three times in Hoover. He shoves two of them. Was pretty good the other time. Um, you know, 
credit to him for not being stuck in his ways there because it could have been real easy to keep rolling guys out there. Austin Miller put 0.1 innings in Hoover this week. And, game, and they played five games now. Um, kind of kind of a sign there. Like, hey, he he's – look, I, I don't know what this team does in the postseason. I do think he deserves a ton of credit, like we've said, for getting this team where, where like you said, they were, what, 14 and 10 when they left uh, College Station that day, going four and two down the stretch, winning three games in the SEC tournament, hosting Not a regional. Yeah. I mean, look, yeah, without Gunner, I mean, look, He's got the bullpen ready to go. I think this is a really good offensive club. Hey, look, this team's got a shot. Um, I think – I'll say this. You, know, you want a hot take. So, they're matched with Arizona, who's got Oklahoma State, UCSB, and Grand Canyon. Ole Miss is the best team of those eight. I, I disagree with me. That's fine. I firmly believe that Ole Miss is the best team of those eight teams. I uh, glad you mentioned that because I've got that down. One, two, one, two things because two things you said in that kind of piqued my interest in particular. Uh, you know, it's kind of funny. You talk, we talk about him being set in his ways, uh, really to a fault. And trust me, I'd be the first one to tell you that he's had back-to-back teams that have forced him out of his ways. And you think, what are you talking about? Yeah. I'm not counting 2020 because they didn't get to play a full season. And they only got – you know, Mike is Mr. February. That man loves to – like, that man wins a t- – I don't know what his winning percentage in non-conference is, but uh, it's got to be pretty solid. Hey, hey, maybe we could start playing state in February. That is true. Never thought about that. Governor's Cup in February. And then just get the weekend <laughs> series out of the way when it's still cold. But – so I'm, I'm talking about the 19 and the 21 teams, the last two teams that have played full seasons. It's kind of forced him out of his ways in a lot of ways because yeah. you remember that 19 thing got so bad. And what was the criticism of Mike up until then? Well, he's so uptight and his teams get too tight in the postseason. Well, he left Knoxville that weekend heading to Hoover and was like, I, I, he may not have thought this. And that's a whole conversation for another day about his perceptiveness of what's going on around him. I don't want to get into that today, but, there was some element of, I better loosen up because I don't know what else to try, and it's probably not going to end well for me in terms of my job security. Was it? I don't. And he loosened up. And those guys, they weren't good enough as Arkansas. They weren't good enough to beat Arkansas twice. But those guys loosened up. They changed their entire season. They got to play June baseball in Oxford. They hosted a regional, which that seemed preposterous, honestly, with the way they were playing and where they stood metrics-wise leaving Knoxville that day. And then it's this year. you know. He kind of likes his guys, and that's who he uses. Well, his guys got hurt. Max Trophy got hurt. He had a couple other guys, Austin Miller, not very good. Like, it forced him out of his ways. And, you know, I guess he could have just gone down with the ship doing the things doing things the way he's always done it. But he does deserve some credit for evolving in that sense. I talked about this with Chase on his podcast about a week or two ago after the Georgia series. It's a good coaching job with two egregious errors that directly cost them games. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and you know, people will say, well, that overshadows it. You're right. It does. Um, yeah, I mean, managers should not make decisions that cost their team's baseball games. And I know people say, oh, it happens all the time in the major leagues. I get it. We're talking about a 56-game sample size here. Um, he also directly, guy who's paid more than, like, five of them. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about, look, he goes to Broadway against State. They win the game. Um, if he lets Leatherwood hit against A&M, it's – as unfortunate as that seventh inning or eighth inning was, whatever, they probably win the game. Um, so, yeah, look, it's it's a really good coaching job, like you said, uh, overshadowed by two mistakes. Um, isn't it 
isn't there like some urban legend or, or maybe it's not, maybe it's like factual that Mike just said, you know, they, they lost those two games in Knoxville in 19 and he just like told them it was either after the game on Friday night, after the second game or before the game on Saturday, it was like, man, just screw it. Like, I love y'all. Let's go play ball. Like the, the hell with it. Isn't there, there, there was some like team meeting or something. And then from that point forward, it was just like, whatever, we'll go play. Something to that effect happened. I can't remember exactly what it was. That year was honestly such a blurb. That week in Hoover felt like a year in its entirety because there I am. Because you remember, they barely won on Tuesday in Hoover. Yes, they did. It took an absolute gem from Etheridge. Etheridge, that's right. Etheridge threw like seven shutout or seven innings of one-run ball. It took a gem. But that whole week in Hoover seemed like a year in itself because like two days in, I'm like, okay, well, I might be here longer than I thought. And then I was like, oh, hey, Ross Bjork's gone. Great. <laughs> I guess I'll leave this little uh, pizza place I found in Birmingham. So, yeah, I, I, think, I think that's a good way to sum it up is that it's, it's a good coaching job because this team with this amount of injuries hosting and really not missing a beat and actually playing better at times than they were when they were fully healthy is a credit to him. But that also doesn't overshadow the two, the two egregious errors that likely cost them a national seed from his managerial standpoint. Yep. It's kind of the perfect Mike Bianco story. It's, it's shades of gray and there's a lot of complications in it. But It's uh, funny, right? Because if they win two more games, they're national seed. Well, if you win the two games that, that Mike probably, you know, mismanaged, that they're probably 20 and 10. If Gunner doesn't get hurt, they're 20 and 10. If Elko doesn't get hurt, they're 20 and 10. So realistically, this team probably just deserves to be 18 and 12. Yes, you could show up to some first-take hot debate show if there's ever one out there that does college baseball, and you can make an <laughs> argument that Mike Bianco cost this team a national seat, and you could also make an argument that he's the reason they're still hosting. And both Yeah, that's a, that's a really good way to put it. But, like, somebody texts me, it's like, I could argue he's overachieved and underachieved in the same sentence. Yes. It, 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 <laughs> it, this year is perfectly Mike Bianco, so why not have it the year where they just win the whole damn thing? Let's – uh. <laughs> Let's transition into the bracket because I know that was a hot topic of the debate today uh, amongst a lot of people, Uh, you know, mainly Ole Miss people being upset at their draw. You know, State did seem to get kind of a cakewalk draw. I I don't want to say I don't put a ton of stock into it. You know, at the end of the day, the teams that are hosting are going to be better than anyone that they're in their regional with the rare occasion – with the rare exception. So, I just think – for South Carolina. Yeah, exactly. So, if you go roll the balls out and play – like, you're going to be favored to win. Uh, I'll just we'll, – I'll open the door for you to just give some uh, basic overall thoughts, and then let's hit this Arizona regional before we go to the rest of the field. So just broad thoughts on what you thought of the committee, the selection committee, the field. Uh, Georgia not getting in I, – I have, we have a question about this later. Uh, I'll broach it in. Who did you think got snubbed? We'll start there. Pittsburgh, and then just give some broad Pitt, thoughts. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh got screwed, um, really screwed. Uh, 17 wins against the uh, – Top 50, I know RPI is a little screwy this year. That's still impressive. Talking about an Alabama team that didn't win 10. And, look, I'm glad for the SEC Alabama got in, and, and I do think it's important that the, uh, the SEC is able to – because, look, there's probably going to be years where Ole Miss needs some help to get in because, look, there's a scholarship deal. And, you know, their 2017 happened, and I'm glad that the SEC, you know, is probably given the benefit of the doubt. But I, I – I had real issues with Pitt getting in over Alabama from a metric standpoint. It just didn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, How was the Pitt was not – they were one of the 20 host sites and they missed the they field. Were. They did not make the field. I thought it was ridiculous that Notre Dame didn't get a national seat. Uh, I think if you win the – frankly, I'll say it like this. I'll, and I'm not including the Big Ten, so you can't call it Power Five. 
if you win the ACC, the SEC, the Big 12, or the Pac-12, you should get a national seat. Like, the, the baseball in those leagues is good enough where it should just be like, hey, you get one. Um, and they didn't even get the nine seed. Like, I thought that was a little bit of a screw job that Notre Dame – I didn't think they did a good job. And I'm not just talking about it from an Ole Miss perspective. Um, look at Tennessee's regional, man. Their four seed has a 26 RPI. Um, you got Duke, who just won the ACC tournament and is really good. Like, I don't know, man. I Just some of the strength of these regionals and, and you know, when you consider Notre Dame not getting one and Alabama getting in over Pitt, I, I don't think they did a very good job. So I have a – first of all, I'll ask you this, and then I have a theory on this as to why this happens the way it happens. Uh, did you see – we got a question about this, so we'll just early ju- – we'll early jump in on that one and get this guy's question out of the way. Because this actually, when I got home from playing golf, happened to pop on almost immediately um, after uh, I turned on the television. The, uh, the selection chair, what's his name? I have no idea. That guy's an idiot. Well, he doesn't need to go on TV anymore. <laughs> no, he doesn't. Did you see his answer when he got asked about basically why Alabama over Pitt? The guy asked it, why Alabama over some others, but you could tell the question was why Alabama over Pitt. It, yeah, it was, it was pretty much because they played hard schedule. But did you watch it? I don't think I did. Okay, I need, I'm going to go back and send you this clip because it'll probably piss you off. I just happened – I wasn't, like, locked into the selection show. I just happened to catch this. He just goes – yeah, you know, when you look at it, I thought we got everything right. And as it pertains to Alabama, it was really just the strength of schedule. And and then he goes, and then he uh, uh, and then he paused, and then he appears to look down his notes and goes, strength of schedule. That was pretty much it. <laughs> wait, wait, Seriously, I swear so, that was his answer. I swear that's exactly how it went down. So, he goes, he he started going. Well, when you look at the body of work and you look at the strength of schedule in a good league, awkward pause looks at the notes, and then just goes, yeah, three, strength the schedule. Oh, my God. So, it, it's not that you actually beat your strength of uh, – a good strength of schedule. It's just, hey, you played one. Hey, buddy, you can go one in 55. You play that strength of schedule, and it's one. You're getting in. It's ridiculous. Um, a little PR 101 for the folks out there. He didn't have an answer, and he gave a terrible BS answer, and you can't do both. You either need yeah. to have an answer or you need to be able to BS the hell out of do you remember two years ago us complaining about TCU getting in? Well, uh, they shouldn't have. Yeah. Do you remember? So we were still doing the podcast together, but I did a break off interview on the side with Aaron Fit after it happened. Yeah. And I asked Fit about that directly. Do you remember what he said? Yeah, because Jim Del Conte was in Jim Schlossnagel's wedding, or Chris Del Conte was in John, Jim Schlossnagel's wedding. Pretty much. Like, he did not have words, but I mean, Aaron was like, hey, let's call this is what it is. They, they, they did them a favor. They're like, you know, Missouri got jobbed out of that. Yeah, they, they did a bad job again this year. They do a bad job every year. It is what it is. So, my theory they, on that, I'm glad you brought that up. That's so, I, I will say this. I do want to say something real quick. Go ahead. They got the host. They got the host right. Like, they got the 16 hosts right. I think they got seven of the national seeds right. I think Notre Dame should have gotten one over Texas Tech. Um, but, like, the at-large teams is where they screw this up. Like, they usually get the top-end stuff right. They don't usually screw with that. They give the best teams that stuff. It's the at-large teams that they get screwy with. I agree with that. And then I, in terms of, like, the imbalance of regionals and, like, why Ole Miss oh, is the 12 national seed gets jobbed, I have a theory on this. And you tell me if I'm right or wrong because you know more about this stuff than I do. Just from the, the – the, and I've only followed – hand up, only followed college baseball closely, closely. I mean, I grew up watching Ole Miss and all that stuff. But, like, closely, closely since it kind of became uh, my job and all that in, in 2015. 
I don't think I, I'm not smart enough to have the like terminology. I don't think they give enough care and attention to the seed line within the seed line. So I don't think they give enough care and attention to where you take all the two seeds, ranking them best to first, like worst to weakest or worst to best, strongest to weakest two seeds, and how they disperse those in regionals. I think that happens with three and four seeds as well. I don't think they pay enough attention to that, and that's why you end up with these regionals where it's like, how does that shit make sense? I think they uh... – I think they try to keep four seeds within 400 miles if they can so they don't have to put them on plane. And then I think you're right on two and three seeds. I think they just put them wherever. Um, it is – look, can you blame – look, let's just say this. Can you blame an Ole Miss fan when he looks at the regional in Oxford and then he looks at the one in Starkville and he goes, what the hell? Like, like I can't blame that guy. Can you? No, no, I can't. Yeah, like, I mean, look, I get it. If you actually look – what's funny is if you look at the RPI, uh, state's regional is actually tougher from an average standpoint. Um, a lot of that's because SEMO's in, like, the 90s from an RPI standpoint. But, like, come on, VCU and Campbell, I, I get people being upset now. I'm not saying it's a big deal, and I think Ole Miss 3-0 and O's this, and they go and play a super regional. Give me – I'm going to say this. I don't think this is the last weekend Ole Miss plays baseball at home, by the way. Um, but I can understand folks being upset, too, especially when you look at what happened to Tennessee. That's ridiculous. I would be mad about that, too. I'd be livid even, if I'm Tennessee. I don't even send you my podcast notes these days, and you've already uh, kind of gotten into the perfect transition of how this is going to roll. I wanted to look at that next. Arizona Regional, Grand Canyon is a four-seed, Santa Barbara as the three, and Oklahoma State is the two. Initial thoughts on that. I don't think Ole Miss should be scared of the two and three off the uh, off the bat. The four kind of is what it is. And Arizona's a pretty good club, but nothing outrageous. Pearson Owl. It's Grand Canyon's ace. It's going to cause a problem on Friday night for Arizona. Also known on this podcast as the other exception to the fourth. <laughs> right? I, I guess that's how you say it. It's OHL. Would it be oil? Pearson Oil? I have not watched a ton of Grand Canyon baseball yeah, to shock you. So I don't know the, the uh, phonetics of it, but hell, the announcers don't even get it right halftime. So say it however you want. Call him Owl. I'm calling him, I'm calling him Pearson Owl. Um, so sounds cool. Yeah. Uh, he's got like a two ERA and like a .89 whip. He has shut down uh, Oklahoma State, who is in this regional, and he has shut down Oregon State, who uh, has obviously played Arizona this year. He's going to cause a problem for the Wildcats on Friday night. They probably get through it, but uh, Arizona has got to throw their ace on Friday night. They've got a pretty good ace. They're going to have to throw him. And then, look, you're playing a, an Oklahoma State team has got a 15 RPI and just played the Big 12 Conference Championship game. i got a real doubt Arizona's getting through this thing. you got, look, it's a good team in Arizona, but I'm telling you, Arizona got a tougher draw than Ole Miss. They absolutely did. Um, Look, obviously, you get the Santa Barbara team who's barely got in, but you're not going to play them. So, if you win, if you get in the loser's bracket because Pearson Isle kicks your tail, you might. Um, they've got two really tough games to win. Could they go 2-0? Sure. I'm doubting it, though. I, I, I think Oklahoma State comes out of there. Call me crazy. Call me absolutely insane, but I think Oklahoma State's going to win that regional. Okay. I, uh, I don't have any qualms with that. You're more locked into those teams, obviously, than I am, and I've spent most of my day researching the teams in Ole Miss's regional. So 
I can't really uh, argue that. One thing I will uh, kind of, I guess, articulate from kind of, you got me on this whole four seed storyline over the last couple weeks or so. So I started looking into some different stuff. It seemed like to me, Ole Miss in terms of four seed, maybe got like arguably the second worst case scenario, but there was a clear cut number one worst case scenario worse than all the others. And the Arizona Wildcats drew that. That is true. You don't want that team now. I'm telling you, they can play. And that kid can pitch. He shut down Oklahoma State. He has shut down Oregon State. I'm not saying he's going to Tucson on a Friday night in front of 7,000 folks who are yelling at him and shutting him down. But I'm telling you, he's got stuff, too. This, this, look, he's not, a, he's not a draft guy, obviously. But, look, I mean, their track record's there. This is, this is a guy that, like Dylan Dodd, has shut down. Shut down Arkansas. Uh, this guy's done it twice. He shut down Oklahoma State. He shut down Oregon State. He pitched well against Missouri. I know Missouri is not a good team, but I'm, I'm just presenting that. Um, yeah, Grand Canyon is a also a better baseball team outside of Pearson Owl than uh, Simo ever dreamed of being. So yeah, uh, you would you would not trade four seeds with the uh, Arizona Wildcats. I'll say that. Real quick before we jump on anything else, kind of an Ole Miss fans rooting guy. You're re- rooting for our friend Pearson Owl to shove against Arizona and then Absolutely. realistically Oklahoma State to make it out of there. So Ole Miss, if they make it through, gets home baseball again. Absolutely. Yeah, you, uh, Santa Barbara's not good enough to win it. So if you're watching that 2-3 game, you need somebody to root for. Obviously, you want to root for Oklahoma State. Keep them out of the loser's bracket. And you obviously hope that Grand Canyon pulls the upset. And if they don't, they make Arizona sweat and have to use some bullpen arms. Absolutely. Uh, looking at it everywhere else. Oh, one more thing. Grand Canyon has beaten Arizona this year. That's kind of interesting. Yeah. They played in a midweek game and Arizona got beat. There's some interesting storylines, in my opinion, with the, uh, the pairings of these regionals. So I'll kind of uh, kick it to you for a second. Anything else, I guess, stick out? Obviously, oh. seemed to get a pretty favorable draw. Uh, Tennessee got jobbed. How does that work? So, what is there? It's Wright State, Duke, and who else? Liberty. Eh, Duke's going to be the crap out of Liberty. Um, but, I mean, you got a tough four seed, and then you got a two seed in Duke that, like, is playing extremely, extremely well. Just won the ACC tournament. Um, can't be happy if you're a volunteer fan. Cannot be happy. Uh, I mean, who, who are they matched with? 14, is that Oregon? Yeah, that's so, Oregon. Yeah, they won that. Um Look, I expect Tennessee to be in the College World Series, but, man, that's a, that's a tough regional. Um, you're going to have to earn it. Wouldn't be shocked if they have to do that on Monday night. Let's just go through all of them really quickly, and I'll read through the teams and you give me rapid Wait, wait Are we going to pick winners? Thoughts. So, do you want to do – I was thinking about that. Do you want to do that Thursday or do you want to do that – Yeah. Start going to pot again. Yeah, let's uh, – I, I, I'd like to look at – other teams before I did because I'd spent most of my time looking at old Mrs. Regional and uh, uh, Arizona's regional. Okay, so let's do this exercise then. We'll do the picks on our Thursday show. Sure. Let's uh I'll read you the I'll read you each regional and each team and we'll just give two like 15 second rapid fire thoughts. Ready? Okay. Arkansas, one number one overall seat. NG NJIT, that's a lot of letters. Northeastern Nebraska. Nebraska's pretty good, but congrats to the Hawks. Three and up. Yeah. That's pretty toothless outside of that, right? I think Nebraska is a fairly strong-ish two seed, but outside of that, yeah. They won't have to throw cops on Friday. It's over. It's yeah, that nine. is true. Uh, Louisiana Tech, 
Regional, Ryder, Alabama, and NC State. I think La Tech is good. They're paired up with Arkansas. And you remember, that was a really competitive February series. They've already played. It was. It was. Um, Alabama couldn't have gotten a more favorable draw, right? Like, you get in and get to go to the 16th seed. Uh, NC State's playing well, playing the ACC title game. I think La Tech comes through that. But if, if uh, NC State wins it, I won't be shocked. I, that, to me, seems like a regional where La Tech just bludgeons its way through it. I know Alabama's pitching okay. I don't know that much about NC State. But if if they get into the later games, that seems like La Tech blows through that. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. a good point. Isn't that the greatest case if there's no real rhyme or reason to seed disbursement after a while? If Alabama barely gets in the field and then gets the 16 seed? Yeah. It's insane. They were the fourth last team in and got to go to Ruston. Sure. Stanford, North Dakota State, Nevada, UC Irvine, whatever. Uh, yeah, Irvine's whatever. Pretty good. Irvine's pretty good now. Stanford usually has some trouble in regionals. Wouldn't be shocked if Irvine came through that. Fair enough. And you're not there's not a ton of times uh, where you see 41 wins by a four seed. And North Dakota State did win 41 games. I don't know who they played, but they won 41 of them. They beat Oral Roberts, who always wins that league. Yes, that is very true. Texas Tech gets uh, the troops. They get North Carolina, and they get UCLA. UCLA, if, if it was not for this 20-host thing, 20-team hosts or whatever would be a host, it's not an easy regional for uh, the Red Raiders. I'm going to – I don't know who wins it, but I, I'm going to look into it. I think UCLA's got a real shot there. We already covered the Arizona one. We covered the Ole Miss one. Uh, East Carolina gets North Falls State, Maryland, and Charlotte. Uh, that's actually going to be kind of juicy. I know Charlotte – kind of jobbed themselves out of hosting and choked a little bit, but they're still a pretty good club. Yeah, I think ECU gets through it. I do. Uh, just because they don't have to pitch Gavin Williams against the four seed. Uh, yeah, I, I think ECU gets through that one pretty easily, though. <laughs> Vandy gets Presbyterian, <laughs> Indiana State, and Georgia Tech. Three and zero. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I tell you what, I tell you what, five and Five and zero. Yeah, five and They're going to win three this weekend and two the next. Yeah, because they really are a real pain in the ass at a super. Uh, I, just for the sheer entertainment value, do you think they'll throw Rocker just for fun against Presbyterian? Yeah, you have to. I would. If I'm them, I'd do it because I'm going to get to 2-0, and and I'm uh, it's going to be over at that point. Do you think that's what Presbyterian signed up for when they rolled out the bats this year? Hey, guys, you get to go to a regional and face this guy. Of course, you know, he's like the fifth best pitcher in the SEC, but whatever. Texas, going to the other side of the Braxis, Texas gets Southern, who upset Jackson State on that wild-ass controversial. Shocked they're not going to start with. Yeah, I was actually a little surprised by that as well. Uh, Fairfield and Arizona State, anything you need to know there? Fairfield is 37-3. and I don't know a damn thing about them, but if you win 37-40 to games, you're probably competent. They should probably be at the house, but whatever. Arizona State's got to be happy. If I'm Texas, I'm a little pissed off because if I'm Arizona State, I haven't looked at it. I'm saving my ace because Fairfield can't play. You don't um, think Fairfield deserved an outlaw? No, no, God, no. Uh, they had the two RPI, and I get it, optics and whatever, but come on. They're playing the MAC. They didn't play a non-conference game. Ole Miss would have gone 40-0 and in the MAC, and they would have won every game by six runs at least. Um, I don't know. It, yeah, that would bug me, uh, especially when it cost Georgia a spot. Yeah, I, I – think Texas probably comes through that. I'll have to look. If Arizona State's got an ace, they can make that interesting because I don't figure you throw them against Fairfield. Florida, South Florida, South Alabama, and Miami. South Alabama's had a pretty good club this year. I don't know much about the other two. Miami's been – Miami won two of three at Florida this year. Ooh, 
That could yeah. be spicy. Yeah, and that series was uh was intense. So uh, that's gonna. I, I I'd like to see a uh, Miami Florida winner's bracket game. That'd be fun. Notre Dame Central Michigan is the four. Michigan is the three. UConn is the two. I think Notre Dame gets through it pretty easily. Sam, you can pitch. Um, I think I actually look. There's gonna be a lot of people that we get in this postseason that don't believe in Notre Dame because kind of a football aspect, like, hey, they don't do anything in the postseason. I'm telling you now, Notre Dame's good, like actually good. Um, they can go to start one cause problem. Mississippi State, Samford as the four, Campbell Camels, who've uh, been a big, big hit on this podcast, and VCU as the two. What a favorable draw for John Cohen. I wonder where he was then when this was announced, uh, maybe in the room. Uh <laughs> Is there an argument you could be made on given on a given day that Samford might be the second or third best team in this regional? Uh, it's the third. Campbell's actually pretty good. Uh, there, I know they barely got in. They they really really hit. Um, so Samford's not going to be able to get stayed out, but they are going to hit Mississippi State um, enough to where like it's probably going to be like thirteen to five. But, like, at one point, it's going to be eight to five and six, and state fans will be like, yo, bro, what's up? Um, but, no, state, state will get through that. I, don't, I highly doubt they lose a game. TCU, Fort Worth Regional, right, uh, about a mile from where I'm standing right now. McNeese is the four. DBU is the three. Oregon State is the two. Uh, anything no here? I imagine, you know, Southern Miss kind of been a, sometimes a pain in the side <laughs> with Ole Miss, for Ole Miss and Mississippi State. DBU has to be the biggest pain in the ass for the Texas schools. Yeah, they don't usually go to TCU's regional. They usually go to Lubbock. Um, cause problems in Lubbock. I look. I'm Oregon State sucks. Um, DBU would be the only other team that could get through it, and I, I TCU's too good to let that happen. TCU's going to win that. The classic case. This is what I love about college baseball season. Old Dominion has a one seed in South Carolina's ballpark. It finally happened. In, yeah, I know. Finally, have it. Old Dominion as the one, Jacksonville as the four, Virginia as the three, who's playing really good baseball, and uh, South Carolina. Our friend Kendall Rogers was uh, tweeting about this regional, and granted, he's probably just trying to hype up the regional. But he said a red hot Virginia team and a South Carolina team that has the arms to go to Omaha. I would vehemently oh disagree God. with the latter part of that. Oh my God! <laughs> uh -oh. You didn't see this. This is the first you're seeing of this. You had not seen this statement. No. Oh well. Anyway, it happened. I figured. Was, was this the same? Was this the same website that published that Ole Miss probably had to win the regional to host? I'm gonna sit this one out. Um, let's see. I'm just saying, man. Uh, look, it's it's nice for South Carolina to get to, to get to host as the third best team in the regional. Yeah, no kidding. Because like Virginia's red hot. <laughs> I don't know anything about Jacksonville, but it, I mean, Jacksonville held their Horrible. 16 and 32. They won their league. That's what happened. That's all you need to know about them. It, look, I know it'll be at South Carolina, and it sucks for schools when this happens, but don't you think there's kind of – I mean, Old Dominion's a really, really good club. They were probably a borderline national seed. Don't you think there's a little bit of like, hey, like, F the world, let's go beat the hell out of everyone in this regional? Probably. Um, you know, but their stupid AD didn't put in to host, but whatever. That was a brilliant decision. He didn't put in to host? No, he did not. They did not bid to host. That's why they're not hosting. Why? Because he's an idiot. Well, that seems like, like a pretty core staple of the job. It, look, look, I, I'll let you – I'm going to say two statements, and you surmise your opinion. 
Old Dominion is one of three FBS schools that did not play football. And Old Dominion did not host when they clearly could, or did not bid to host when they clearly could have hosted. You draw your conclusions from there. Fair enough. Um, that, I mean, not what, how does that work, though? The guy just misses out on the whole thing. Like he has, he's got a busy month and just like, eh. COVID. He thought COVID was going to be stupid too serious and made to deal with the region. Now, now look, in fairness to that guy, their, their stadium is not good enough to host. Norfolk, they would have had to have played at Norfolk's minor leagues field. I don't know if it would have been available, but you could have figured. They always figure something out, and, and you, that kind of makes – if I'm Old Dominion's coach, I'm, I'm livid. And if you're a fan of growing the sport, like, that doesn't help. No, no. Playing a regional in South Carolina does not help. Uh, Oregon gets Central Connecticut State as the four. Uh, LSU's the three, and Gonzaga's the two. I, look again. You're more, way more in tune with the metrics than I am. Just at a first glance, as someone who watched a bunch of SEC baseball this year, you know everyone talks about. You know, Georgia kind of got jobbed as the first team out, and uh, Alabama not getting in, and Pitt not getting in. No one really even talked about LSU. They weren't even listed as the last five in. What's up with that? You want to hear a conspiracy theory? No, because it's probably not a conspiracy theory, but say it anyway. They announced Maneri's retirement, so they get in. I don't, I, I almost texted you this the other day. I'm glad you mentioned that because at first, it's my first reaction when I saw that news, and we, we, you and I kind of knew about it a week or two before because sure. I talked to you about that, right? So, and you probably knew as well. I'm just saying, like, we, you could see that coming down the pipe. Um, at first, I was like, oh, they're waving the white flag. And then literally within 90 seconds, I was like, no, that's actually the absolute opposite of what they're doing. They want the novelty aspect of him getting in the tournament the last time. I don't think that's a conspiracy theory based on this committee's history. That's odd. Look, I get it, but do you think anyone in Athens, Georgia, or Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania gives a shit that Paul Maneri is retiring? No, I don't. But when you're talking about a Georgia team that's 20 spots behind them in RPI, um, I get it. I'm not saying I'd have done it. I'm just saying I get it. Um, so, you know, look, they wear It's got to be a real sour taste beating them in Hoover, though, and then that it happens. It does. It does. But I get it. They wear LSU on their chest. You better not just finish ahead of them. You better finish way ahead of them. The 20, not theory, the 2016 episode that we've talked about in this podcast a lot, right? What yep. metrics was Ole Miss, was LSU better by than Ole Miss for that last national seed spot that year? Can you name one? It wasn't many if there was one. Who won the head to head? That would be Ole Miss. Okay. No, yeah. Purple and gold. Ole Miss should switch their colors. Uh, so, real quick there, if, all right, who's their three seed? Or so, no, who's yeah, sorry, I didn't give, let you give your opinion on the entire regional. So, LSU's the three, Gonzaga's the two. So, it was just reported that Gonzaga's best pitcher is not going to be back for this regional. Oh. Um, if you're LSU, right, you, you hold him, don't you? Marcel, absolutely. I, so, I didn't know the news about Gonzaga's ace. Uh, I think you have to now, right? Yeah. So, what? like, if you're Paul, like, what are they going to do, fire you? So, yeah. <laughs> just hold him. See what happens. That is a good point. If you were, that's an alpha move. If you retire, you can't. Fi- uh, you cannot be fired. I, that's a fact. Look it up. Business School One Hundred and One. Um, I still contend the was. You know, I, I'm not a look. I, I get there's been really good West Coast teams, but when you kind of get the uh, goodish West Coast team, 
to me, there's been too many times in regionals where those guys have proven that they cannot hit elite velocity and elite stuff. So yeah. whatever LSU has is a number two. Even if that kid had been pitching, do you think it would have crossed his mind to hold Marceau anyway? Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, yeah, I, I think so. Um, so I've, I figured, he, look, he's not shy about holding starter or his aces in regionals. He's done it every time he's hosted, and, and I figure he will, he will do it again this time. Last one we get to, Tennessee gets Wright State, Liberty, and Duke. We already kind of covered this. That really sucks. Uh, you know, I know Liberty, you, 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 did, you weren't high on them, but they are playing pretty good baseball. Yeah, no, they're fine. Um, Duke's going to be the – Duke's going to beat them uh, just because Duke's playing really, really good baseball. I mean, they went and won the ACC tournament with little issue. Um, won a one-to-zero game in the championship game. So, yeah, it's a, it's a good baseball team. So, I, I expect Tennessee to come out of there, but I think they're going to have to earn it. We'll make our picks on Thursday, as we mentioned. Let's get to the questions, then we'll get out of here. Let's see. Dan, the Judge 99, says, I hope I'm not too late. Who in the bullpen deserves more opportunities is his first question. Uh, I think your pen is set, pal. Yeah. Um, more opportunities? I, I think it's – I think you're right. I think it's set, you know. Well, I mean, uh, you're, in, you're, in, you're in June now. You're not giving dudes opportunities. Yeah, no. We, every inning matters from now on. Opportunity so. finds them, and you go with your guys and you have a chance to win. Yeah, yeah. No. So, uh, it's going to be Broadway, Doherty, Doherty, and Johnson, and some Jackson Kimbrell, and that's probably going to be it, unless Tyler Myers needs to get some long relief. I'll give this question – not that it's a bad question. I'll give it a little bit of credence. Anything Cody Adcock did this weekend to where things get hairy, he is, uh, he is selected in front of someone else. I think things would have to get pretty bad. But did he improve his stock of maybe in a weird wave appearing in a regional? Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, I think I think Wes Burton's the cleanup guy. Like, hey, if you're up five or six runs, I think Burton pitched really well, and I think they trust him to go out and finish those situations. Um, yeah, I think I think Adcock goes from non-existent to maybe having a slight role on this team. I think you're dead on about that. Uh, what do you think the order of the bullpen is? We just hit that. What do you make of McCant struggling? Should you change anything? No. no. He's fine. He will be okay. I, I don't have He's, much. He hit some balls hard this week at people. He did. Now, the outfield struggles concern me, but no, hitting wise, he's fine. Yeah, let's hit that real quick. Might as well. Um, that's uh, that's getting bad news, Bearsy. Like, okay, I'm okay. You, uh, you coach baseball, you know this more than I do. I'm just curious as someone who watched this for about five years, JB Woodman, if he wanted to go catch a ball, that was his. And they got yeah. the hell out of the way. And there seems to be more collisions in both – not collisions, more confusion and more kind of pseudo-collisions in left and right field. And a lot of the time, it's Kevin Graham or Hayden Leatherwood ending up with the baseball. What do you think is up there? Um, I don't know. It's a, and I hate to answer it that way. I, yeah, I, I appreciate the answer. Um, so the one on Saturday that got people upset was obviously the one in the first inning. We took a horrendous route, had to dive and didn't make the catch. And there was one on Saturday. I don't know if you remember it, where him and Leatherwood both dive and yes. they, he not. That was nobody's fault. Like to me, like I'm watching it, you know, live. But it just seemed like two dudes were going to dive for the baseball. You can't call somebody off if you're going to dive for it, right? Like you just you're both hustling the balls in the middle of you just diving. The one, one in the first inning looked atrocious. Um, it looked like a bad route, should have caught it. And then, obviously, the next guy hits home run and puts you up two to nothing or puts Arkansas up two to nothing. Um, 
And then obviously the drop on Wednesday was really bad. Um, I don't know. After turning into what I, you know, I thought he was playing really good defense. So certainly a bad week. The defensive part is what worries me. And maybe it's some of, hey, I'm struggling to play. I'm going to take that into the field. And you obviously can't do that. Um, I don't know. I, I hope it's I hope it's corrected this week though. Uh, yeah, no kidding. We already uh, we already uh, covered this one. Um, let's see. Oh, he said, "Why did you notice the Alabama guy couldn't give a decent answer when asked? The NCAA guy couldn't give an answer when asked why Alabama got in." I would encourage you to go back and watch that. Uh, yeah, I need to do that. Uh, let's see. Do you expect Mike to tap into the transfer portal after the season's over? So our guy yeah. Tyler Hayes, who's been listening since day one, he's already uh, written the season off. Not really. I'm just kidding. This was just his question. Uh, yes. I think they have to. Yeah. 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 I a hundred percent expect that. So, uh, I don't No insight. Obviously I'm not, you know, barking up laughs phone or anything. I just logically, I, yes. Uh, let's see. Hope y'all explained to clueless parentheses me that could describe my life, buddy. Uh, about, the times teams play on Friday and why you'd want to play early. Versus All right. So, so this is interesting. Um, usually, or, or growing up as I'm watching regionals, you, so I don't know if you know this, you get to pick what time you play as the host school, right? You get to pick first or second game. You get to pick time slots um, on Friday. Obviously, the losers play first on Saturday. You have no control of that. 11 of 16 host schools are playing the first game. 11. Five are playing the late game. Usually it was the exact opposite, and really it was more 15 to 1, 14 to 2 would play the late game. I don't know why they're doing it. Ole Miss is not doing it, but 11 of 16 are playing the first game. Why would you not? So I, I knew this, and I guess I've never thought about it from this way. One, Mike always plays the late game. Why would he you want the crowd? Crowd? Yes, crowd. That's why he does it. Um, they want the crowd, and I don't blame them. Um, I would think that's the reason. I've never had that conversation. I guess somebody ought to. I mean, I think it's a worthy question at this point, right? Like, if 11 teams are playing the first game and you're playing the second, well, you're kind of the outlier at that point. Isn't that probably a question worth worth asking? Probably. Um, you watched the press conference today. I was recording an interview with Chase that will go up I, on yeah. the website a little bit later. But, like, that that didn't get asked. I mean, I'm not, no, that's I, not, I I'm not saying that pointedly. Well, to be fair, uh, it wasn't known that 11 of 16 was, was being played at that time. Um, but, I mean, that, that seems like something that probably does need to get asked after, you know, the, the season's over, just their thoughts on it. Um, and I'm sure he would say attendance, and I completely buy that. Like, there's a lot of people that are upset in state every year because they do this and they play uh, the first game and they don't have this great of attendance. Here's the reason why they do it, and and I understand this reason. Weather, like, hey, if you get your first game in and then, it, you know, all hell breaks loose and it comes a flood, well, now you're having to play two games on Saturday possibly. Or, you know, if, if rain comes before, you're the first team that's going to play. They have to you, – you, you see what I'm saying? Like, you don't have to wait on anybody else. You're going to play. Um, that's why they do it. So, I don't know. I just I just thought it was interesting that 11 of 16 decided to play the first game. And it's rest, right? And that sounds stupid on the surface. But, like, if you play the first game, like, your kids aren't going to bed at midnight or whatever after the end of the first game. And, you know, God forbid you lose it and you have the morning turnaround. It does give you more time off your feet to kind of just hang and kind of have a little more normal sleep schedule. Sure, sure. Um, obviously, you hope you just don't lose to the four seed. 
and you'll your sleep schedule's fine. But yeah, I completely understand that. And someone made a good point to me. All right, so let's pretend just hypothetically that Doug, let's pretend that Ole Miss is playing the first game. Say they played at three o'clock. And Doug pitches it, he goes eight innings or whatever, throws 108 pitches, Ole Miss wins. Well, let's pretend he that Ole Miss has to go into Monday night. There is an hour or a 30-minute interval, right, like where your arm goes from coach I can't go to coach I can go, right? So like you said with rest, you have more time off. I'm, I'm not saying that's anybody's mindset, but I'm just saying there is a point like in the day where your arm goes from too sore to pitch to – find the pitch right yes because as your point being like if that game were on a tuesday and doug threw on friday it's not even a question sure so sure. there's a point in that hour on a monday and it gives you more time that's probably that's a great point you make because that's probably more credence to where i was just kind of throwing out a reason because well yes rest normal sleep schedule on that these dudes are used to playing friday night games followed by saturday day games all year sure. long it's not really a thing I think weather's the main reason. Probably. Weather I mean, looks good this weekend, though. But I, I kind of – so if you want to, like, get on two sides of the debate, I would actually agree with Mike's thinking. I want that crowd, that atmosphere, and that stage against some kid that's never been there. Absolutely. That's exactly – I want Dylan Dodd having to pitch in front of 11,500 people yelling at him. That's what I want. So, and it being and dark he, outside because it's just scarier when it's dark outside. That's true. Uh, well, it actually probably won't be dark at 7 o'clock. Um, but might, maybe he'll be off the mound by the time it's dark. <laughs> maybe that's the goal. Maybe Mike's in his – I guarantee you Mike in his pregame speech after Greg is giving him his LBs, it's like, all right, boys, let's get him out of here before it's dark. <laughs> uh, back to the hotel. Who has the hardest path to Omaha? I know you need some more time to look at this. Also, um, given the losses, Arizona loses their regional, and we win ours. Would the Super be in Oxford? I, like, I guess yes. the second part for you. Yes, it's one of the 20 approved host sites. Who has the hardest path to so, Well, uh, Fairfield. But, like, are we talking about just national seeds, like one through I, eight? He probably meant host. Out of the 16 hosts, who's got the top? Well, I mean, Louisiana Tech. <laughs> You're not going to Fayetteville and winning. I hope I'm wrong. But, uh, and their the, regional national- kind of stinks, as we kind of yeah. outlined. Yeah, I mean, it's Louisiana Tech. Um, of the eight national seeds, so I don't think it's Arkansas. I don't think it's – who's Texas paired with? Ooh, if you're Texas, right? Like, and look, if you're just a casual Texas fan or somebody that's not super, super invested, and I see I'm the two seed and my 15 seed is Florida, aren't you a little pissed off? Yes. Um, <laughs> can I offer another one for you? Sure. Arizona? Yeah. Ole Miss gets this stacked regional – and Arizona's a national seed. And, like, do you really want to be paired with Ole Miss? And, well, I mean, first off, look at your regional if you're Arizona. Exactly. Uh, and then you get through that, and you're dealing with Doug Nikhazy on a Friday night in Tucson. Good luck. At what time on Friday will I be ready to die? I'm guessing that's in uh, – No, no, it'll be Saturday, buddy. I think Ole Miss is fine on Friday. I think they are, too. Thoughts on the regional toughest in the country? We kind of answered that. What do you think is the toughest regional in the country? We can answer that one. Arizona. Really? You think it's tougher than Ole Misses? Yeah. I think uh, – I mean, yeah, I do. I mean, our Oklahoma State's a better RPI team than, than South Carolina – or than uh, Southern Miss. Um, so, tougher so- four, tougher two, three is kind of a wash, even though Ole Miss probably has the tougher three is basically what you're thinking. 
yeah. Um, yeah, I think Arizona is a tough regional. I think, honestly, I wouldn't switch regionals with Tennessee. Yeah, no kidding. And what they're the three national seed. Yeah, I'm I'm not switching regionals with them. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say Ole Miss is third hardest. Okay, that's fair. Uh, let's see. What do you enjoy covering more, Ole Miss football or baseball, and why? Uh, baseball, ten times out of ten, and I say that having well, I don't cover any of them on like on a full time basis anymore, as everyone knows at this point. My thing with baseball, Ole Miss is really good year in and year out, and there's four times a year, with rare exception, that I'm walking into an Ole Miss game already knowing the result. It's just how it's going to go and what I need to write about it, and that, I can never say that with Ole Miss baseball. And I like baseball more. That seems like a pretty thorough answer. Yeah, no, that's completely fair. Ah, I enjoy baseball more. The access is better. Um, you know, as kind of clammy as Mike can be sometimes, they don't treat like treat it like they're trading government secrets back there. I enjoy baseball. Old Miss is good. People are interested here. It's competitive. And like I said, I'm not walking in to the Vanderbilt series when Ole Miss plays Vanderbilt thinking, okay, this is a sweep, but just how is it gonna go? Because that happens in football. Um Last – oh, why the hell can't we trade MSU's third seed with Florida State? Uh, yeah, I don't think that's how that works, but you could try. Yeah, I'll ask John Cohen if you could do it. Let me make sure I didn't miss any – oh, here we go. Here's a good one. Best non-top 16 team equipped to win a title. Ooh, that is a good one. Um, oof, off the top of my head. See – that's hard because I don't think there's any host schools or non-host schools in the SEC that can do it. Um, I don't think – NC State would be my next answer, but I don't think they can go through Fayetteville in that. Um, can I answer that on Thursday? Yeah. Uh, the initial – like, I guess my initial reaction – UCLA, UCLA. That's my answer, UCLA. Okay. I was going to go potentially Oklahoma State. Yeah, that wouldn't shock me. They got arms, um, and they're getting healthy. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm UCLA is my answer. I mean, this is that's a team that went 18 and 12 in the pack. It's pretty loud. Yeah, so I'll I'll go Oklahoma State, but uh, we might need to revisit that on Thursday. I was gonna go like something like Charlotte, but it doesn't matter with Charlotte. Charlotte would have to go through Vanderbilt. Right, you'd have to go to Nashville. That sucks. So that was all the questions we had today. I think that's everything we've got to get to. Did we miss anything? Is there anything else you'd like to cover? No. No, I'm good. Uh, yeah, we mentioned the uh, golf team winning the national title on our, uh, on our last one. We did. That, uh, that happened, and then we recorded last. Uh, the only thing we missed on those, uh, we missed two Ole Miss baseball games. But uh, I think that just about covers it. We'll get out of here today. I appreciate everyone listening. Uh, if you're a new listener, welcome aboard. I hope you stick around. Really excited about this partnership. I owe it to uh, – I really owe this to a lot of people. Uh, Colin being number one, all the listeners as well. Like I said, this crew uh, really beyond my wildest imagination in, in a couple months. It's really gratifying. We've had fun doing it. Um, we'll talk Thursday, dude, and then we will uh, – hopefully we have at least three more weeks of these things. How about that? Absolutely. Sounds good. I, I, would, I would enjoy doing one from Omaha. Enjoy the rest of your Labor Day. That goes to Colin. That Labor goes- Day? Come on, dude. It's uh, I went through the entire podcast without doing it. I mean, we literally cut the beginning of this podcast because I said Labor Day. Memorial Day, man. Enjoy your Memorial Day week- weekend, what's left of it. I appreciate everyone listening, like I said. Check out Skybox. Check out my man LB's Greg. We'll have a grill corner this week at some point, hopefully. Skybox just had that $1,000 giveaway. Hope you didn't miss out on that. 
Um, but everyone have a safe and happy weekend. Take it easy. I'll talk to you Thursday. Sounds good.